Thank you, John. Definitely excited to be here with you all. And I know, uh, I know you all stood up and, and clapped that I'm here, but I, I'm not big on things like that. Come on, let's give God some praise. Yeah. Thank God for who he is. Such an amazing God. Such an amazing God. You know what? Let's start with prayer. We're going to jump right in. I love to dive right into the word. Thank you all for, first of all, before we even begin to pray, thank you all for welcoming me. I feel like family. It's not my first time being here. It's my first time preaching like this here, but uh, I'm excited to be here with you all, and I'm looking forward to what God is uh, about to do within us. My request is this, is that you open up your heart, that you open up your mind to receive God's word. Don't look at me and, uh, and, and who I am, but who God is and what his word is saying to us as a body. That's the thing. We're a body, and it's the body of Christ. And so, uh, again, I love you all, and let's, let's dive into the word. Let's pray. God, we just thank you, Father. We thank you for who you are and who you are in our lives. You are an amazing God, and we love you. We adore you, God. There is no one like you, God. We worship you as the only true and the only living God. So, Lord, we ask today, God, as we go into your word, God, that you would cause our hearts to be open. Remove every stony place, God. Let this word fall on good ground, Father God, that it may grow and produce within us, God, peaceable fruit of righteousness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so I am a little different when it comes to preaching the Word of God, when it comes to talking through the Word of God. I love to do live examples, and, and uh, I was a youth pastor for over, uh, I guess, around 13 years, and so that's just the way I, I, I do things. So if you could just help me out. We have a few people that are going to assist me with this example. This example is going to help us to go into the Word of God tonight, I mean today, and help us to uh, understand what... God is trying to convey. Um, again, this is one of those, uh, it, it, it is a shout for joy message, but it isn't a shout for joy message. And it depends on the way that you will, uh, the way that you will receive it. But God is after our heart. And, um, and so I have this example. If the people with the mirror, if you could stand here, here, and here. Three people with the mirror, and then I need three of you to go in the back. They're putting the uh, stickies on. Don't look down. Don't look down for a reason. Don't look down at the stickies. Yep, you can turn that way. There you go. Turn around with the mirror facing them. There we go. Good. Everybody has them on. Good. Okay. So I have this example. We have mirrors here, and there are uh, people in the back with um, sticky tape on them. Uh, what do you want to call it? There we go. Post-it notes, there we go, with uh, some numbers on them. What I would like for you to do is, uh, without looking down at the post-its, tell me what number, just using the mirror, tell me what numbers are on, uh, are on you. All right, do me a favor. I'm glad you can't see. Move a little closer. <laughs> Still can't see? Good. Move a little closer. Come on. You can go down this aisle right here. Move a little closer. Still can't see. Come on. Move a little closer. It's going to help out. Come on. Come up a little closer. Come on. Here we go. Can you see now? 
No. Okay, good. And I love the fact that it's a little dark in here. <laughs> Move up. Can you see? What numbers are on, on you now? Still can't see. I'm glad. Move all the way up. <laughs> Move all the way up. One, two, three. Good job. There we go. Uh-huh. Move up a little closer for me. That's going to help out. Come on. Just a little bit closer. There we go. Four, six, and five. Exactly. Thank you for this example. And here's why. What we're going to talk about today is, is this. And you can be seated. I needed that to happen just like that. Give them a round of applause. There we go. Here's the thing about the presence of God. Here's the thing about the presence of God. Here's the thing about the word of God. Just as that example is, the thing is, when you're far away, right, not that we're not saved, not that God hasn't converted us, not that our heart has not been changed, but when we're far away or we're distanced from, we distance ourselves from the word of God. We distance ourselves from time and prayer. Guess what? It's hard to see the things or the sin or the iniquity that's really going on within us as believers. Here's the thing about the presence of God. The closer that you get to God, the closer that you grow in relationship with God is guess, guess what's going to happen? It's going to expose more of your sinfulness. It's going to expose how much, uh, how exceedingly sinful you really are. This is why I put those numbers on them and I didn't want them to look down. But as they walk closer to the mirror, isn't it interesting that the Bible says that the word of God is a what? Is a mirror. And you look into it and you begin to see exactly where you are. You begin to see who you are. And we love to talk about the positive example of who we are. But the reality is this, that anytime you come into the presence of God, he's going to expose to you or begin to reveal to you the sin that's in your life. Right. He's going to begin to expose to you the things that need to change, the things that you need to do to grow so that your relationship with him grows stronger. And you notice as the closer they got, the more clear it became to them. Right. The closer they got, the more uh, illuminated the things that were on them became. That's what happens in the presence of God. That's what happens when we're in the word of God. Again, we love to expose our destiny, our purpose, and our finances, and where we're going, and our next move. But the reality is this, that God wants to deal with you, and he wants to deal with your heart. He wants to deal with the issues within your heart. All of those other things, he's already taken care of. But I have to deal with you. Let me give you an example. And I, 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 Pastor Nick called it this morning. He said God may switch things up. And he did, just like he, who he is. Real quick, I want to go to Isaiah. I mean, I want to go to Isaiah. We're going to go to Isaiah, the sixth chapter. Isaiah, the sixth chapter kind of plays this example out. Today, our topic, we're going to talk about the privilege and power of the confessing believer. The privilege and power of the confessing believer. So well, let's go real quick to Isaiah. The sixth chapter. Let me get there. Everybody good? Yes, sir. All right. Isaiah, the sixth chapter. Let's see. I'm a page turner. I know we got a lot of technology, but I like to turn pages. Well, let's go to the fifth verse. Let me give you a, a little example of what's going on with this. Isaiah is having a vision. Isaiah is experiencing the presence of God. Isaiah is being uh, literally transformed by the, the power of God and the presence of God. Isaiah is having experience in an encounter with God, right? 
And so what I want us to understand is our experiences and our encounters with God causes us to be exposed. God is so holy. God is so righteous. He is so pure. And so when we are in his presence, guess what? He's so bright and it begins to illuminate us. And the first thing we begin to see is what? Our sin. Whether we believe it or not, when you're in the presence of God, God, the, the reality is we like God to deal with everybody else. God changed this person, changed this person in my family. The reality is this, when you're in the presence of God and in the word of God, he wants to deal with you. He wants to deal with your heart. He wants to change your mind because he knows once you are changed here and here, then you can be effective in your community. Then you can be effective in your home. Then you can be effective uh, in your family. But I have to deal with you. Amen. So before uh, Isaiah could go, as we uh, as uh, my brother Patrick just talked about, as uh, going to Buffalo and going different places before you can go. God has to deal with you. And this is what we have happening with Isaiah. Isaiah is going to be sent on a mission for God. Isaiah's heart is going to be changed. But what happens is God has to deal with Isaiah. Isaiah is in the presence of God, and he's explaining how vast and how big God is. And it says that God's train filled the temple, right? And he's experienced the holiness of God. I'm going to start uh, at the third, uh, third verse, what the angels are saying. And one called to another and said, holy Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his what? His glory. Verse four, talking about the vastness and the greatness of our God and the foundations of the thresholds did what? They trembled. They shook at the voice of him who called and the house was filled with what? With smoke. Now, Isaiah is experiencing the presence of God. Verse five is crucial. And I said, what did he say? Woe is me, for I am what? I am lost. For I am a man, he began to confess, immediately in the presence of God, experiencing who God is, just like when we walk closer to the mirror and they could see the things that were on them. The same way, Isaiah was in the presence of God, and the first thing that was exposed to him was not his destiny, was not his purpose, was not the greatness that God was going to do through his life. The first thing that God dealt with within Isaiah was what was really going on on the inside of him. When you are truly in the presence of God, when you are truly in the word of God, you will begin to deal with you. Verse five, and I said, woe is me for I am lost for I am what? A man of unclean what? Lips. Not only did Isaiah start talking about who he is and where he is at in his relationship with God. The next part of this says he started talking about the people in the community that he that he lives in. He said, I'm a man of unclean. uh, I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of people who are unclean. Isn't that amazing that the presence of God will cause you to begin to confess who you are, who you're around, what the community is like, right? And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. I thought that that was just so powerful within itself, that the presence of God being exposed, who God is being exposed to Isaiah caused him to realize his sinfulness. Isn't it amazing that most of the times when we say we're having an encounter or an experience with God, 
Again, we talk about our destiny, our purpose, but we don't talk about our sin. We don't talk about our iniquity, which are two different things, and we're going to talk about that today, all right? So I want to talk about, this is an exciting word, even though it may not feel like it right now. <laughs> the privilege and power of the confessing believer. Isaiah, in the presence of God, the first thing he did was confess. Confession is the privilege that all believers have. And the reality is, is, is this, that we forsake that privilege because we're, we're used to hiding things. We're used to covering things. We're used to having to conceal things. But that is not what God wants for us. That is not what God has called us as believers to. The reality is you should have no shame and you should have no guilt and you should willing, willingly be open to confession to God first and then to one another. This is what God has called us to because there's power in our confession. There's power in us revealing who we really are and where we're really at, really at. Because the Bible says what? That God desires truth on our what? The inward parts. That God is desiring a truth to come from his people. They sang a song uh, earlier. I don't know the name of it, but it was talking about pure gold. It was talking about uh, God refining us through fire. This is the type of message that God has given us today. That God wants to refine us. That God wants to purify us. That God wants us to experience his presence so that he can expose where we're really at. So that we can be changed here for real. So that we can be changed here for real. And we can be effective in our families. We can be effective in our community. So the power and privilege of the confessing believer. When we're exposed to the presence of God and we're exposed to the word of God and he begins to illuminate and show us where we're at and show us the things that are in our lives that need to change, we have a few options at that point. At that point, we can either open up and confess to God where we're at, or we can resist. Let's do this. Let's go to uh, the 32nd Division of Psalms. And I want us to kind of walk through that process and, and walk through what that looks like. Right? At the point that you're in the presence of God and that God exposes himself to you and you begin to see yourself or who you really are. While you're turning there and while some of you are coming, uh, looking at the screen to see where we're at, I want to say this. This is the thing about the presence of God. The closer you grow in relationship with God is the more that you're going to begin to confess and repent. Agree or disagree? <laughs> the closer you become to God, the more you're going to confess and you're going to repent. Daily, hourly sometimes. See, the thing about confession and repentance, it's the privilege of a believer, and we should be doing it often. It should not be something that we just once a month happens. We come into a service, and we feel something, and we begin to do it. No, this is, should be a practice of ours on a daily basis. Right. Confession, repentance, right? Let's see. All right. The 32nd Division of Psalms. What's the first verse say? It says, blessed is the one whose transgressions are what? See, do we really believe that? Do we really believe that? The first of all, we understand the word blessed. It means to be made holy, consecrated, endowed with divine favor and protection. Do you really believe that 
You were made holy, that you were consecrated and you were endowed with divine favor and protection as it pertains to those who have been what? Whose transgressions have been forgiven and whose sins are covered. That is the blessing, not your finances, not your promotion, not your next job, not your next move. The truth is you are blessed because you are forgiven right? Your transgressions have been covered. And this is the thing. So when, when God is calling us to confession, he's already saying, I made you holy. I made you righteous. Now use your privilege to confess where you really are. Right. We reject that part of the part of uh, the gospel, that confession and repentance most times. But it's a privilege. And it's saying blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven and whose sins are covered, right? So we have an option. We can either walk in that blessing and confess those things, right? Number two says, the second verse is, blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. Transgression and iniquity. And we're going to learn about the, uh, the two uh, different things there, what they mean real, in, a, in a few minutes, Right? Blesses the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. My grandfather used to tell me all the time, he said, don't lie to God. The worst thing you could do is lie to God. It's an amazing note that we as believers, and sometimes we won't lie to God, but we'll omit things. And we won't talk about where we're really at and the struggles we really have. That I'm addicted to this or I'm addicted to that and I'm struggling with this or I'm struggling with that. We want to confess and admit those things. So in essence, guess what we're doing? We're regarding, the Bible talks about it, we're regarding or cherishing iniquity within our heart. We're holding it in and not talking to God about where we're really at. Not talking to our brothers and sisters about where we're really at. And so there's things that happen because of that. And that's what we're going to transition to uh, verse 3 and 4, right? David is speaking here. In the first part, he says, blessed are those whose transgressions uh, are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed are the man against whom the Lord... Uh, counts no iniquity and whose spirit there is no deceit. Now we get to verse three and verse four, and then there's a change up. Paul, um, excuse me, David experienced both sides of this. He knew what it was to be forgiven. He knew what it was to confess and have and, and, and embrace where he's really at and to see God change his life. But verses three and four, he talks about where he was at before then, right? So verse three and four, we see that, right? For when I kept silent, my bones did what? Wasted away through my groaning all day long for day and night. Your hand was heavy upon me. Then what happened? My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Verse three and four. Man, I have it written up there. It says the divine warrior. It's amazing that when we don't confess and when we don't repent and when we don't acknowledge where we're really at. Phrases the divine warrior. It causes the hand of God to be against us. Do you know when the hand of God is against you, there's nobody in this church that can pray anything that happens off of you. There's no pastor that can lay hands on you and cause things to be removed. There's no family member that can run in and rescue you. Why? Because you are literally in the hands of God. I found myself and I'm learning with time that there are times that I feel like I need to go in and rescue. And God is saying, no, it's me. It's not that the, the trouble they're having is not because of uh, the enemy. It's not because of 
Satan. It's not because, no, it's me. I'm doing this. I'm causing this to happen to bring them to a place where the Bible talks about. The Bible talks about godly sorrow that leads to repentance, right? So when we don't confess and when we don't repent, we cause the hand of God to be involved involved in our lives. Why? Because the Lord chastens those that he loves, right? He corrects those that he loves. That means that he loves us. And sometimes that part of his love is his hand being upon us and us experiencing some things that the world doesn't understand, that the people in the church may not understand why we're going through. But the reality is this. We know in our hearts and our mind that we are holding on to something that God has caused us to be blessed, to be forgiven of, caused us to be blessed, to be covered, our iniquity covered. But when you resist that blessing, God has to deal with you. This is why he says, come unto me, all you that are what? That are laden and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. But the reality is that we resist that rest, that we resist moving that that burden because we won't confess, because we won't repent. And that's all God is asking for. I want you to confess. I want you to repent so we can move forward. We can move on and we can move to the next thing. And guess what? There's going to be something else that comes up that you're going to have to confess. You're going to have to repent of. But this is what God requires of us, that privilege, right? The reality is this, and we'll learn in a few minutes, that when we don't confess and when we don't repent, the reason why the hand of God is upon us is because we are literally insulting the work of the cross. Can you imagine? I'm trying not to get ahead of myself. But you got to understand that when Christ died, the very first two verses is how that blessing was released. The first two, ber- first two verses where he says, blessed are those whose transgressions, right, are forgiven and whose iniquity is, is, is completely covered, right? Those two verses happen because of the work of Christ, his life, death, burial, and resurrection. And so when we don't confess, we are insulting the work of the cross. We're saying that, God, I don't value the privilege that I have to come before your throne of grace and obtain mercy and find help in my time of need. We're rejecting his grace and his mercy. You are literally saying, God, I know that Christ died, but guess what? I don't feel like confessing. I don't feel like repenting. Let's keep going. Everybody good? Psalm 66 and 18, the scripture I quoted before, it says that if I regard, this is why I say it's an insult. Psalm 66 and 18, I believe it is, it says, it says that if I regard iniquity in my heart, that he will not hear from me. That word regard, another version of the Bible, if you look up uh, NIV and different versions, it says I cherished. <laughs> if I cherish iniquity within my heart, he will not Hear from me. You know what it's saying? It's saying, I love my iniquity more than confession and repentance. The privilege that you died for me to have, the privilege that you gave me for me to be able to repent, for me to be able to expose who I am to, to you. The reality is God already knows that you're a liar. God already knows that you're, you, you, you struggle uh, with, with pornography. God already knows that you struggle in, in, in addiction. God already knows that you love sugar. <laughs> <laughs> which causes you to be greedy. 
And we overeat at times. We don't talk about those type of sins. But, but, but we, 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 we talk about the big things. God already knows where you're at. And he knows that you're, you're struggling with those things. But the power of confession and repentance, when we resist God, it causes his hand. And he doesn't want that. All I want you to do is be open and honest with me in my presence Outside of it, wherever you're at, be open and honest with me that you have an anger problem, that you have road rage, and that sometimes you think about murdering people. Because <laughs> when we're honest and we're, we're, we're being truthful, the reality is that those things are happening within our heart. I got a few more minutes and we're going to talk about iniquity and we're going to talk about the difference between, between the two. I want to go through these scriptures, though, right? Verse four, for day and night, your hand was a heavy upon me. And that's not what we want. My strength. It says that my strength was dried up. As by the by the heat of summer, I'll tell you what, it has been hot this summer. 90 some degrees some days. And if you did any type of yard work, you know what this scripture is saying. You know the heat of the summer and how it can drain. What it does is it pulls the moisture out of your body. There's times, and that's why I brought a change of clothes, because up here right now, I am drenched, believe it or not, right? When you're doing things, you begin to sweat, and you begin to exert more energy, and the reality is this. You're exerting energy, and you're losing strength, but you're not being replenished, right? And so when, we're un when we don't confess and we don't repent, guess what? That moisture, that, that anointing that we had is being pulled up out of our bodies and it's being drained and we're still going and we're still running and we're still doing ministry and we're still doing this and we're still ministering to family and guess what that moisture is going and going and going and not being replenished and God is standing in the background saying I, I need to deal with you I need confession I need repentance I need the privilege I need you to take the privilege that I've given you and guess what the heat of the summer is coming then you find yourselves in trying situations you find yourselves in tempting situations and you find yourself giving into those things because you don't have the strength that you once had. You find yourself drying up, right? And then we go through those, those desert seasons. But the reality is this, that God will continually replenish us, refresh us when we confess and when we repent. Revival always happens. We spoke about revival. Revival constantly happens. Revival, and a lot of times we talk about revival in a communal sense, but the reality is this, God needs to revive you to spark others. And revival always happens when, when there's confession and repentance. You can have revival every day. You can have revival in your home. You can have revival in your car. You can have revival on your job. Confession and repentance will bring revival and refreshing. All right, verses 5 and 6. We're almost there. I acknowledge, listen to what David said. He understood, man, my strength is drying up. I'm weary. I'm weak. What in the world? God, okay, he's in the presence of God. And then he begins to see himself. And the first thing he does in verse five, I acknowledged my sin to you. And I did not cover my what? My iniquity. I said, I will do what? Confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you did what? Forgave the iniquity of my what? Hmm. Let's do this real quick. So there are three uh, Hebrew words which often which are often used correspondingly. These words are often translated as sin, which means what? To miss the mark. Shata, right? Which is most often translated as sin. That's the one that means to miss the mark. Awan, often translated as iniquity, 
relates more to the inner character and points to an intentional twisting of a given standard. Woo, do it with me. Woo. <laughs> See, there's a difference. And I, that's why I love God's word. And when you start digging into God's word and you find, because I always wonder, I'm like, well, I acknowledge my sin and I do not cover my iniquity. Well, hold on, God. I thought iniquity and a sin were the same thing, but they're not, right? Sin means to miss the mark. Awan means it, it, it was more of a heart thing. Your heart was driving you to do what you did. So can I give you an example? I got a few more minutes. Can I give you an example? Yeah. David and Bathsheba. Do we know that story? All right, David and Bathsheba. David steps out on his balcony, king, looking around. He notices something. He notices a beautiful woman, right, bathing. Right? Everybody good? Yes, sir. Can we we be uh, real and honest? Okay, here we go. Notices something. Mm. See, there's a thing. Sin and temptation. There's a thing. Temptation comes. It does come from Satan. Right? Initially. (laughs) Initially. He noticed the temptation. See, at that very moment, David had a few options. David could have confessed immediately to God where he was at. I want her, God. This is what we don't practice. (laughs) Being truthful and honest with God at that very moment that that sin is exposed. I really do want her, God. And I know it's not your will. And I know it's not what you want for my life, but this is where I'm at. Confession leads to repentance. Confession leads to deliverance. Confession leads to change and transformation. David had another option. After he had that moment where he knew where he was at, he could have went to somebody and told them where he was at in his heart. And guess what they could have did? They could have covered him. David also could have went to one of his wives. (laughs) David also could have went to one of his wives and told them, listen, I'm struggling right now. (laughs) And been covered, right? David didn't choose to. Temptation came and he chose to go with the temptation. Guess what entered his heart? Iniquity. Because now we see other steps. Now iniquity fills his heart, and and David is literally driven by it now. Now not only does David go and get the woman, he gets the woman, sleeps with her, impregnates her, and guess what? His iniquity is driving him at that point because it's a heart thing. So guess what David does now? Now David moves from there, and he goes and has her husband killed. This is the thing about sin. The Bible says that when sin is what? Conceived, when lust, excuse me, when lust is conceived, it brings forth sin. And when sin is full grown, it brings forth what? Death. There's a process to this thing. So here we go with iniquity driving David. David ended up having somebody killed all because he didn't confess, all because he didn't repent, all because he wasn't honest with God at that moment with where he was at. He allowed his iniquity to continue to drive him to the point that, guess what? It cost somebody their life. So then the hand of God moves. Now, here's the process. David didn't confess. David didn't repent. Now the hand of God moves. Now the hand of God is upon David. David ends up doing what? Losing a son. A man lost his life. David loses a son. And now David gets to the point where he's broken before God. 
all because the hand of God was upon his life. God brought him to a point of godly sorrow that led him to what? Repentance. David could have missed all of those other steps had he confessed when he saw her. David could have missed all those steps had he confessed when the sin entered his heart. When he had the thought to go and commit adultery, when he had the thought to go and do it, if he would have confessed where he was at, he could have skipped all those other steps. But he did not do the process that God has called us to. The reality is before David could understand that blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, he had to be broken. Once David experienced that brokenness, then he understood the privilege that it was to be able to open up to God and tell him exactly where he was at. The last one is Pesha, often translated as transgression. It is more of a willful rebellion against the given standard. Can I tell you something beautiful as I, as I, as I kind of close up for this, this session? Can I tell you something so beautiful about all of these things, the, 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 the uh, Shata, the Awan, and, and the Pesha? All those different types of uh, uh, transgressions and sin, all those different things about the heart being uh, driven towards sin and us locking those thin things in at times. Let's do this. The beautiful thing about all of that is the gospel. Amen. Isaiah 53. Because I want to stick with the time. Trust me, there's more I want to give to you. But <laughs> Isaiah 53. When you get some time, when you get some time, I want you to, to uh, go over all those three different things. But here's the thing about all three of those things. Isaiah 53, and I'm going to start at 7. This is talking about Christ, the Christ. It says, he was oppressed, and he was what? Afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was what? Taken away. And as for his generation who, cons uh, who considered that he was cut off from the land of the living, stricken for what? The transgressions of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Now, I read those, but let's jump back to five. I read those, but let's jump back to five real quick. But he was pierced for our. Isn't that beautiful? And he was crushed for our iniquity. He was literally pierced for our transgressions and he was crushed for our iniquities the things that are within our heart that are literally driving us to do what we're doing right it says that he was crushed for those things and upon him was the chastisement that brought us what peace and with his wounds we are healed there's a privilege and there's a power in us confession, confessing our sins. And what God wants from us is to do just that. 
God wants us to be open. God wants us to be honest with who we are, with where we are, so that he can, listen, the Bible says this, that, that if we confess our faults, right, that God is faithful and just, and he'll do what? He'll forgive us of our sins, and he'll do what? He'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we, resi when we resist confession, when we resist repentance, we are literally, we are literally shunning the work of the cross. We are literally shunning Christ himself and saying, I'll forsake that privilege because I cherish my iniquity. I'll forsake the privilege that you've given me to repent because I cherish my iniquity more than I cherish what you've done on the cross. God doesn't want us to be that way. God doesn't want us to walk in that manner. God wants us to be open and honest with who we are, with where we are. I want us to do that right now. Let's take that moment. Be open and honest to God with where you truly are. There was a price that was paid for your sin. There was a price that was paid for your iniquity. There was a price that was paid for your life to listen, to freely come to the throne of God that you could get grace, find grace and have help in your time of need. Listen, when do you need him? The song says, I need the, oh, I need the every hour. Every hour, every minute. Every second of the day, I'm finding myself immediately confessing, God, I, it was me, God. Man, I looked in that direction and I shouldn't have, God. I thought that about this person and I, did, and I shouldn't have, God. Forgive me, God. I'm sorry. I repent. The reality is we as men of God, it, let, me, let me scratch that. Men and women of God everywhere need to be repenting, need to be confessing. The world needs to see us confessing. The world needs to see us repenting. They won't put us up on a pedestal then. They'll begin to see God only and see us as who we are, fallen man. We're all battling with the unredeemed nature that's within inside. And with that, we're yearning for the day that God calls us home so that we can be transformed and fully redeemed. But until then, we need to continue the process of confession and repentance. God, I thank you, Father, for everyone that's here and everyone that's under the sound of my voice. Lord, we yield to you. We yield to your ways, God. We confess right now, God, where we're at, God. We're getting the things that we know. We, we know, God, in our heart, the things that have, have been in our lives, the transgressions that we've committed, God. God, we know those things that we've done wrong, Father God, and we bring those things before you. We bring ourselves before you. We bring our heart before you. We bring our mind. God, we bring our sinful ways before you, God, and we're open before you. We're open before our brothers and sisters, God, and we confess that it is there, God. Deal with our hearts, God. Wash us that we may be clean. Purify our hearts. Purify our minds, God. We truly want to be used by you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Let's just take some time and just worship God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. God, we love you today. God, we honor you today. You are the true and living God. We worship you. Have your way in our hearts.
your way in our lives, God. Go to the deep places, God. Go to those places that we keep hidden, God. Go to those places that we don't want anybody to see, Father God. Expose us, God. We want to be pure before you, God. We want to be holy and righteous, God. We know that you have made us just that way, Father. We don't want your hand to be upon us, God. But joyfully, God, we come to you. Joyfully, we come to you, God. Restore to us the joy of our salvation, Father. Restore to us the joy of our salvation. Cause it to be a revival that breaks out in us, God. A revival, God, that breaks out in us, that causes us, God, to live and dwell fully in your presence, God that will lead us to repentance on a daily basis, Father, that will lead us to confession on a daily basis. We want the pathway clear between you and us, God. 